This is a podcast of conversations about connection, change and creativity and today we're joined by Chelsea Diane. Chelsea is a poet, writer and the powerhouse behind Poems and Peonies. Chelsea's poetry grabs you by the shoulders and yanks you into a world one only dreams of, a reality she is living each and every day with authenticity, boldness and confidence. Chelsea has created an online community that shares a passion for the medicinal art of poetry. I feel so incredibly connected to the work that she does as a fellow poet and as a powerful woman. Chelsea is inspiring people across the globe to change their lives and live their truth to its fullest potential. I am so glad to have her on the podcast today. I am honoured. I can't even explain to you. So when I started following you, you were still just CD. You hadn't changed anything. There was maybe one photo of you. Just one. I don't think there was anything else on your page, just like maybe one photo of you in these jeans. And like everything else was just your poetry. And I was just like, oh, obsessed. So obsessed. (laughs) Every time I read you, I'm just like in awe of your gift and your ability to just really jump off the page and speak to people. And then like just following this like unfolding of who you are and getting to know different aspects of you and watching you travel to Italy and um and I had just been to Italy like a couple months before so I was just like so inspired and and felt like connected souls and then just watching people yeah reach out to you has just been incredible oh thank you so much I feel so I feel so honored that other women like you um how we find each other in in this world and we say the God in me sees the God in you and recognizes this oneness in our story and our journey. And it's, I think it's, well, I know that that's the most beautiful part of my entire journey is finding other women that say, me too, me too, me too. <laughs> and and so universal. It is so, so, so universal. Every time I read you, I'm like, oh, this one, oh, this is, this is it. And then you post another thing and I'm like, oh, how, how does she do it? How do you just like manifest? And then when I did your poetry workshop, I was like, hmm, totally get it. I get that it comes from a subconscious place. I get that it comes from that flow state. And so, yes when you get to that depth and that truth behind the truth, that raw vulnerability, that's the place that we all share. And so it's like, I needed this. You're speaking right to me. And like, you know, people saying, and I'm like, no, I, we all do. This is like, this is the, this is the oneness of uh, poetry. And this is the essence and the beauty behind it. And the catharsis in, um, and, in digging deep enough to to connect to universal oneness, I the the only difference between poetry that we don't feel and poetry that we feel is just that you're not digging deep enough. They or they didn't dig deep enough to get to that place where it's a shared truth. And specifically, women, because I am a woman, and so I I connect to I think divine feminine. And, but there are several men too that follow me and that um, they don't know how to put words to it, but they're like, something is awakening in me. And that's because all of us have divine feminine within us. And um, it's that shared space that I'm so passionate about reaching and connecting to at that, at that level 
I, I think of it sometimes, I actually had a dream about this a long time ago, is like this pearl inside all of us. And it's the same one, but if we dig deep, but you have to dig so deep to get it out. And then when you hold it up and pluck it out and put it in front of your eyes, then everyone's like, oh, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. I recognize that. <laughs> it's the same one. And that's what I try to do with poetry. And I've admitted this before, like not all of my pieces are from that, that depth or from that level. And I don't consider the ones that aren't poetry, I consider, oh, this is empowerment piece, or this is, and it's important in its own way, but poetry, the actual, the words that connect us all universally has to come from that subconscious dreamscape that we all share. <laughs> Completely. And I think that that's the truth. That is the catharsis in it is, you know, what I have in me I recognize in you and um, I see yes. that in your work yes. and I feel that in myself and it, it really is that universal oneness yes and it, it it's almost like your poetry really pulls that pearl out of people it says like I see this I am pulling it out of you here's like the calling the welcoming to come here um and that's such a powerful thing to do I think that I had to learn how to dig that deep it was almost I honestly I believe it's from a place of childhood trauma and it's it's from this initial you know the way in the way I was raised my notebooks were my one safe place on the planet to hold my truth and so now and so they were so holy to me they actually saved my life and so now when I'm writing I write from that same place of like this is my truth this is this is gonna save my spirit and keep it alive um, in this place and so I think coming at it from that same angle from the inner child um, is a place that yeah that universally we can all relate to when you when you can get there that's just where, that's the place that it started for me, which I didn't even realize until recently. Oh, okay, this has always saved my life. And the boldness that I'm putting it out to the world isn't like, oh, here's a poem. It's like, oh, these are, these are this is my truth. And my truth is keeping my spirit alive. <laughs> and I feel like that's, it's a different place you know and it's the same place as so many artists are pulling from and th those artists are the ones that inspire me those are the ones that reach me at, you know at that level and i've got this little pot that sits on my desk and it's this little woman's face here and she's got these little glasses on and just a pot and it's got and it, the plants growing out the succulents look like hair and she sits on my writing desk and i look at her every day and it's like this woman or this like professor spirit that's sitting there and looking at me and saying, that's not the truth, write the truth. And that's what I see when I see her and I'm writing, I'm like, oh, okay, you want me to go further? You want me to go deeper? Because she's got this like blank stare on her face. I think it's important for us to have that as a voice inside of us or place it as something, an object or something, just as a reminder and staring directly at you that you're safe and the world wants your truth. How did you figure that that was the only option to live your truth? Because you've spoken a lot, I guess, on your page, and I'd love you to share it on the podcast about the life that you lived before being this bold. 
and yes. be brave. Um, yeah, I didn't always, I didn't always have like the same rawness or authenticity. I hid behind religion and it's interesting. It was a religion that I didn't, I never quite believed in my spirit. I, um, so I was raised, my, my father was a rocker and my mother and they were divorced and my mother was, and she went for his opposite, right? From this rock star lifestyle a rocker they weren't really stars at all they were like in a van with curtains and traveling around and that's what I was born into um with band equipment and um dive bars and you know playing on the weekends and so my when they divorced my mother went for the opposite and she found Jesus and she dimmed in a way that was that was safe for her but I watched this and I, I remember this constant battle within me as even a little girl of dimming and um, being told that that's what God wants. And, but my heart believing the complete opposite. And so I, I, but I experienced this battle throughout my life to where I actually married at 20 years old to um a very kind man but um i i chose my marriage and choosing him was choosing that dimming aspect of myself as holiness and um i i was in that battle within this marriage for for years and it, it's funny it wasn't a battle within my marriage there was peace in the marriage um there was no passion for there to be a battle, but I was internally um, constant, constantly at war with myself and my truth and who I was and the boldness and the bigness of who I am and how I wanted to live my life. And, but I knew, and then after children, especially in order to stay in this marriage, I had to dim. That was the truth. And um, I chose to stay and I kept choosing to stay and to dim and stay and to dim because every time I would get brighter and expand, um, it was very clear that, that this is not comfortable within this cage I was in. I have this one poem that says, submit me in this diamond cage. I've grown strong, gnawing on cleaner bones. And um, I, that's how it felt for me. I felt like I was cemented within a life that I had cemented myself inside and um, cleaner bones that I, I had this childhood of surviving on less than I did in this marriage. And so in a way it felt um, so comfortable and so easy to not be fed, to be, to starve myself of of who I was, of that deep, deep artist inside of me and the expansion of my soul. So it was this com comfortable thing because of how I was raised, but I was still battling. And then um, one day I decided I couldn't anymore. We had, we had been married about eight years and I, I, I chose me. And I chose me over my children. And I chose me over um, 
you know, the entire life that we had built together. And it's the best thing I ever did. And it's the best thing I ever did for my children, I believe. But there was a lot of shame around leaving as there is. And there was a lot of pressure to stay. And I left and I left with a bang. I was done. I, I, all of a sudden people were like, who are you? What are you doing? You've lost your mind. And I'm like, and I, you know, I was writing poetry and I, he moved out and I fell in love for the first time. And I, I started pouring out my heart to this and then, and then he left. And then that's when I started, started writing my poetry account. Okay. It was actually started as a one place to write love poems to a man. That's how this poetry, you know, started, which is so funny. And within a couple months, I soon realized that it wasn't about him. It was about me actually writing love poems to myself. In fact, I met with him again after we had broke up. I saw him again and he was like, those poems are beautiful, but they're not even about me. He said that. He's like, that's not even me. And I was like, oh my God. And then I started looking through it and I'm like, holy shit, I'm writing love letters to myself. And, and like subconsciously what I want is I want all of these things that I had projected onto this person. I want to find it in me. Yes. And I find that that is so poignant for most people. What we project onto someone else and fall in love with in someone else is what we really see in ourselves. And what yes. we want to see in ourselves and I so get that because I remember writing like a letter to um, an ex-lover and I was you know heartbroken but I wanted to tell him all these things I found really beautiful about him you know <laughs> and and you know to let him go in such a way that I found you know I just want you to know yes. like I, I'm sorry but this is all the beauty I see in you and I let my friend read it and my friend turned around to me and she's like this isn't about him. This oh, is all you. These are all your qualities. And I was like, you're so right. I so love right. her. Yeah. What she's friend. amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh, and I was like, that, yeah, you're so right. That's why we have to sit in circles of women. That is why it's crucial for us to um, see ourselves through other women. Um, women have, I mean, women have saved me, my friendships and my relationships um, in these past. So I've been uh, divorced and separated from my ex-husband for three years now. And it's been this, this journey of dating and buying. And I'm, I'm just so aware at this point of what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm so self-aware that like in dates, I'm like, okay, so you're just sitting like even last night I met this guy and we were talking and I I found myself so hyper aware while sitting in front of them that I was just proving to myself that no matter what he said or how he judged me that I would stand in my truth and that I would vocalize it and so every time and you know like he wasn't he wasn't meaning to judge me he was coming from his own perspective and questions. And he was just laying on these questions. And I, instead of like trying to, cause I'm, I'm an expert manipulator. That's also from childhood trauma where I can turn it back onto someone else. Manipulation in the sense of during conversation to protect myself and not be vulnerable. I'm usually the one asking the questions, right? And so 
but now that I'm aware of this, I'm like, oh no, just come at me with these questions because it's more practice for me to tell you my truth. And so he kept coming at me with all of this and it was just like, I don't know, like moral questions. And I'm like, no, this is way. And he was like, well, why? Why do you feel? And I'm like, well, this is why. And so dating is such great practice for us to like know ourselves, date ourselves, understand who we are and what we want. And it's such a beautiful thing if we can realize that while we're sitting there that um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just showing the world who I am. And um, especially for me, I, I had a blocked throat chakra for years because of the abuse and the way, and, and spiritual abuse, but also physical abuse and the way I was raised um, with my stepfather. And I, I was hit for, for speaking my truth in any way. And so this, a safe place was only in my pen and I hid all my journals in the lining of my mattress. And I have those same journals and I look back now and I'm like, I see what you were doing, you little girl. I'm like, you're fucking amazing. The fact that you were like, this is my truth. This is what he did to me. This is what's happening. And the world's gonna know it and I'm gonna know it and I'm not gonna accept that as love. This is not love. And I, I even as like a seven-year-old little girl writing, this is not okay. And like just in my, and that's the only place I could say it, but I'd be like, I, you know, and I would say some of it was so dark too. Like, I hate this man. It's not okay what he does to me. Like he should never have done that. And every single day I wrote that. And now, yeah, I come at my writing from the same place. I've realized it's like, this is what happened to me. This is what is happening. And this is how I'm going to use it and transform it into power to propel myself forward in my life. And um, this is the story I'm going to believe, right? This is the story I'm going to believe is truth. And that, and that's in the story that I'm going to believe as truth is the story where I win the story where love wins, where I am love and I win. I win in this story, like even in the stories of abuse, even in the stories of, um, you know, seemingly weak vulnerability wins. I think that's what makes your work so, so powerful is because you're writing from that place. And I've often seen you post things of what women write to you. You know, I left my marriage because of this. I left an abusive relationship because I read this and I read your art, I read your work and I believed that my story could change. <laughs> and I think it brings me to tears every time I see that because firstly, as a therapist, we look at art as therapy. I really believe that, you know, and I, I, and I write poetry myself and I feel that, you know, poetry saved my life. It was the voice that I wrote when what I needed to hear most when I was going through a tough time and it is childhood trauma. And I have also like journals and journals and journals piled up of, you know, things that I needed to hear in those moments and you're now that, writing them for other women it's just incredible the power of that I think you know every time I, I'm realizing this like as healers you're a healer and what you're doing therapy for other women is you're healing women with your truth and 
as a healer, every time there's pain, we, we see it as, oh, this is an initiation for my path as a healer. So, I mean, even in the little things, I'm like, oh, wow, this man is going to write love letters to me, long love letters. This has happened, obviously. Long love letters to me for weeks where I fall in love with this man. And then he's going to send an abrupt text one day that says, I never have an intention of meeting you. And to be at the point where I can, I can see all of this happening and I can see my fantasy as a writer and what I've built this up into be before it even was anything. And I can see, you know, my patterns of doing that because fantasy is what saved me out of so much of my life. Right. And I can see doing that. And then I can, and then also I can sit there um, now with love and compassion and realize his story and his fear is only limiting to him. And that the love that I poured out was just another way to expand me on my journey. And I don't regret a single sentence of it. And you know, even now, okay, what I'm showing even at that point when the man has reached his capacity for love by still showing, showing up in love and compassion is just me showing up for myself in that way. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, okay, else, even at this point, you still have love and compassion for yourself to give out, to pour out, which is, whoa, okay, no. And so like, I'm realizing these truths about myself and, um, how, you know, the, it's not people's in their story. It's not a reflection of you, you know? And, and it's such a beautiful thing to come to. It's such a beautiful thing to come to. It's hard as hell. And I did, of course, I shed some tears over it, but wow, just like the expansion of heartache and what can come from that and how mm -hmm. women how women, like it's an initiation as a healer, right? So I speak this truth of, oh shit, this happened to me and that fucking sucked and that was painful as hell. But then I'm gonna reach deeper and love more and expand more. Um, every, every single pain that comes to you is just you expanding as a healer to other women. I think the beautiful thing is, is often we look at heartbreak or trauma and we look at how many gates we close on ourselves. We set yes. ourselves up in that cage. And yes. what a beautiful message that you put out there is like, don't go back into that cage. This is actually more flight for you, more energy for you to fly out and expand yes. and go to new places. And yes. that's the message we should be sending to the world is like, don't is it. let it close you up. Let it, expand. let it expand you and okay so I actually I love experimenting as you know I've got like I've got a med school background so sometimes I'm like okay I, I have an hypothesis here we're gonna do a full scientific research into this but I so I did this and I'm very scorpionic and so I'm all about like testing and, and questions and diving deeper and so I do that with myself a lot and an experiment that I did with myself um, my last big breakup was I said, I was, I was actually, I got on a plane early from, cause it was a long distance 
which I didn't realize going into it, but long story. Okay. So I get on a plane and early and I know it's just not right. And he's not my person. And I, and I'm headed home and I am just, I'm a mess. And I am sitting in the airport and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to use this as an experiment. This pain that I'm feeling, this intense pain is energy. And energy can only be transferred, right? It can't be, it can't be destroyed. So I'm going to transfer this energy into myself being a badass bitch with work. Okay. And so like, not that I wasn't going to process it. I went to therapy. I processed all of it. However, this immediate surge of energy that I had that I felt like had no place to go. I called my web developer. I put out, I got my website ready. I put, I poured myself into my work and into women. And it was the most beautiful healing thing I've ever done. And it left me without resentment for this man. In fact, we still follow each other on social media, whatever. We don't really speak, but he, he's a friend. And I, I used all of it to propel myself forward because it's energy. And I think that, yeah, there's so much, there's so much truth in that tiger. If we, if we can harness it and um, use it to expand us in whatever way that is, whether it is business, whether it is in love and other relationships, whether it's in our writing, our poetry, or um, sometimes I know people that just like, I mean, in little ways, like learn, learn a new skill, learn guitar, or learn and take a cooking class or redecorate their home. Just bringing it back to self, bringing all that love, that you were giving out home is everything. <laughs> it's incredible. It's, a, it's the most amazing message that we can change the narrative, that we yes. choose that narrative. And, and life chooses us. I really believe that. I believe life chooses you. Your experiences choose you or we choose them on a subconscious level, but so that we can expand. Like yes. that's the point, right? Yes. And so when I work with my clients, I always say to them like, no matter what you go through, it, there are things that shouldn't happen to a child. There are things that shouldn't happen to any person, right? Heartbreak, it's never the aim. It's not the goal. Yeah. But how we choose our narrative and how we choose to use that energy afterwards, that's what makes all the difference. That's what's life-changing. It's not about what happened to you that changed your life. It's about how you change the narrative to change your life. Absolutely. And you think about all these, like you said, all the artists, all the, you know, crazy, wonderful, mad souls out there that end up touching the lives of millions of people that came from a place of choosing a different narrative, of choosing to use that energy to propel them, whether it's in music or poetry or art. Yes. Um, I chose therapy because I found it so beneficial, right? Like how can we find catharsis yeah. in everything? Oh, I mean so so incredible and I, I don't think there's anything more beautiful than watching a person I, and I think it's I think it's it's so sweet to me that you've watched my journey like and how I've transformed you said mentioned and I heard it what a deeper meaning there but I I'm not the same person as when I started in fact I 
when I first started creating, it was so raw. Um, and I, I, I had to, like, I have this line where I had to make fists to climb these walls. It came from, a lot of my work came from such a wounded place. And still, still, right? It's still energy. It's still fierceness. And it still helps helped me and helped other women to climb their walls. So sometimes when women have fists, they're just climbing. They're just climbing. That's what those fists are. And that's okay. And I'm, ne I'm never worried about a woman that's being fierce as hell, especially, you know, I had three little bear cubs, you know, three, I have three little children and I was trying to climb us all to light and transforming my life and getting there. And I was fierce as fuck. And I don't regret a single second of that energy that propelled me um, to the top of the mountain. And then, you know, then you can open up those fists once you get there, once you've climbed and it, you can become the softest thing in all the world. But, and I knew that was waiting for me. I knew it was waiting for me, but I had to, I had to break so much generational trauma. I had to break free from so much and it took a strength and it took a fearness that scared men. You know, it didn't scare most of the women in my life. It scared, it scared a lot of men. And so be it. So be it. <laughs> I, I, I got, um, I, I got us to a place where, um, I, I feel safe. You know, um, this is the place I've wanted to be all my life as a little, as a little tiny girl. Here's a picture of me when I was a little bitty girl. I keep her on my board and just remembering like all she wanted was her truth to see sun without being hit for it and to be safe with her truth seeing sun. That's all she wanted. And um, she promised herself that she would have that. And, and, and I do now. And that's, it's such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful thing to realize, like what's happening subconsciously throughout our lives, where we're trying to get to the point place we're trying to reach and why. And we often put it in, I find, a place or a person that's outside of ourselves. You know, when I live in this place or when I have this job or when I'm in this type of relationship, then I will feel. And uh, it really is the truth that it's coming back home to yourself, to that, like, innate desire within us to just be utterly okay with who we are. Yes, all the rest I found is just a long distraction, whether it be going to medical school or, you know, like whatever it is, you know, it's just a big distraction to um, crossing the threshold within, which is what we have to do. We have to go inward to see our darkness and, you know, get there and be alone with it and say, okay, how I'm going to sit with this. I'm going to let it move through me. And um, I'm going to choose love over fear. Going to choose love over fear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I feel like I grapple with every couple of years. You know, I'm like on this path and I'm choosing love. I'm like, yes, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then the minute I'm like fully in love and I'm in this like gorgeous, happy state, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. That's, that's, the, that's the narrative I'm, I'm 
I'm still feeling now, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I've created all this abundance and this love and this wonder in my life and it's beautiful and it's within me and it's externally and I'm seeing it. But then I almost fear that, that kind of other shoe dropping, like, oh no, what if it, what if it disappears? Because as a child that did, you know, I constantly and we had no control over it and we didn't know when it was going to happen. And so we always had to look for it and it's survival mode. It's like what, you know, and that's why, and I can tell you have such a deep understanding of humanity and you're able to like, look at me and be like, um, and feel where this is going. And that's, I mean, it makes total sense. It's where it can our trauma is such a gift in so many ways, right? Because we, you know, and I think I use manipulation back, but I, I didn't mean manipulation as much. That's a, such a negative um, take on it. But what I mean is an awareness um, of hu the human spirit and a sensitivity that was established because um, we were, we had to be first to survive, to be like, what mood are they in? What's coming at me? What's going on? Where do I, you know, and, and it's created this empath empathy that allows us to meet other people on such a deeper, um, more, more compassionate level. <laughs> and I see, no, I see it in you. And it's, su it's such a gift. It is a gift. And I have to keep reminding myself that it's a gift, that sensitivity is a gift. All these things that we have that, that it makes me good at what I do at my job, you know, because like I said, it, 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 I'm sensitive enough to recognize what I see in you, I see in myself. Yes. And how can I pull that out of you? How can I pull that pearl out so that you see that gift, so that you see that vulnerability as a strength? Yes. That's incredible. I have this. Um, I've always had this thought that, you know, in religion, oftentimes, I mean, I, I suffered like religious and spiritual abuse. So I, I, I almost have the Bible memorized, <laughs> but I, there's several good things that I'm sure people have come, you know, drawn from it and that I've drawn from it in grace and love. And, um, but I draw that from every major religion and I have, read on all of them and you know found parcels of truth and everything but but what i what i uh, what i was initially saying is that holiness is oftentimes in religion seen as like being sacrificial sacrificing yourself completely denying yourself of your deepest desires that's seen as holiness but the truth is, is that holiness is just seeing your own magic in the eyes of another, like we are right now, and naming it aloud. So, you know, this is holiness and being like, you are magic, you are sensitive, you're an incredible healer and initiator for women. That is holiness. And, is. and recognizing that this concept of God is, is the same thing that we do projection in relationships, right? We project these ethereal wonderful incredible qualities onto a god that's outside of ourselves when really it's just a reflection of yes it's the reflection yeah. of all the godly qualities we have in ourselves and how yeah. beautiful it would be to recognize that all the time for everyone to recognize wow i have all these qualities i'm good and i'm kind and i'm compassionate and i've got all these wonderful things but i'm also all powerful yes 
And also, you know, we, I talk about, um, you know, self-love, but self-love is also boundaries and loving self-love or love, lo you cannot love the world until you give that love back to yourself. And how do you give that love back to yourself if you don't have, you have to, is setting boundaries, you know, like loving yourself enough. I, I truly believe that people treat you how we allow them to, right? And so shutting that door when, oh, that's not how we, I even like to say this out loud. I like to say, oh, that's not how we treat her. That, that's not how we treat her. Mm -mm. And like also one thing with it, just within the last year that I've done is when people name me as something that I am not, I say it out loud. That is not me. I do not accept that. That's not love. That is not me. I do not accept that label you put on me. Oh my God, that's been powerful for me. And people apologize. And I say, where do you think you got that? And they're like, oh, probably that's the way I think about myself. Yes, every time. They can't see you in a way that they can't see themselves, right? And I'm like, oh no, I'm more expansive. I'm bigger than that. And so are you. Find it in you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, even like, okay, one of my close friends the other day had mentioned, um, he's like, oh yeah, you're you know, you're the, you're an Instagram girl. That's what he said. And I was like, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. Like whatever judgment that is for when I'm a woman, I do use Instagram to put my truth out into the world. But for two, I'm a healer. I am a mother. I am a creator. I'm a professor. I'm a lover. I'm so much more than what you just what you just said in that sentence. And I, and then he was like, oh yes, Andrew, this and this and this. And then he got big with it. I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, like, but he felt, and I, this guy has a crush on me and I could tell that he wanted to bring me smaller so then he could maybe date me someday. And I, I just felt it all, you know, like you can see what's happening with people. And it's like, no, I don't accept that for myself. One of the most, the biggest tools of like abusers and narcissists is that they call you names, right? Name calling and they label you as something. And I remember my stepdad would always be like, like the name that he called me was Chelsea monster. He would never, which is not funny, but it, it's sick. But that's like what he called me. If I was getting cereal out of the cabinet, it's what he called me in front of my friends when it was over. That's what he called me in conversation that I was a monster and I was, I was a little, I was a little sweet, sweet girl. And, but you have to make something into a monster if you're going to hit it every day, don't you? And so I, now I'm just very careful of, and so I would write, you know, I would write who I was into these notebooks, but now I'm just very careful about what people are allowed to call me in my life, how they talk about me. I think it's really important for women to stop that at the beginning and say, no, it's not okay. That's not me. I think it's also this so important how... as you were talking, I was getting shivers because I was thinking we talk to ourselves in this way. We often talk to ourselves yes. in this way, you know, to, to shrink yes. ourselves in fear of how big yes. we can get, how expansive we can get and what that means. Because when we fully show up in our truth and recognize how powerful, how wonderful and all these good qualities, we have a responsibility. There's a responsibility oh, in yeah. living up to that, right? And into yeah. living fully in that truth. And that's scary. Oh, I have chills. I have that's chills right really now. scary. Everybody. 
I think that it's really so scary. that resonates with me completely because I think I do. I have that little voice that says, you know, but stay small because who are you to achieve this or who are you to yeah. do this in in a big way? And then I think wow, I should just be saying exactly what you're saying to this guy. Like, I don't believe that. That's not the whole entirety of me. Like, what about all these other things? What are you talking about? And and really practicing that with yourself. Yes. It's so important. That's why, you know, positive affirmations um, change people's lives. Um, a lot of humans have never been, um, have never heard the voice from parents or anyone. Um, so they don't know how to repeat it. They don't know how to repeat it to themselves to get them where they need to go. Um, it's, I was thinking about when you were saying that too, how um, once we, you said we have a responsibility when we accept these truths about ourselves. And I was thinking about how my own, here's the hardest thing for me to accept was that my own stories in my life were limiting me. And then, then stepping back and saying, holy shit, that was my story that ruined that relationship. That was my story that did this. And realizing the power of my thoughts and realizing if I believed, if I really truly believed that God was smiling at me, right? Then I believe that every human was smiling at me when they were looking at me, whether it be an online presence or the grocery store or in a relationship, if I truly believe these things and that shifted my perspective of everything, I started choosing when it would come up this thought of they're upset with you or blah, blah. I'd be like, no, they love me. They're just having a bad day. My aunt Lisa gave me that years ago. They love, they love me. They're just having a bad day and choosing our stories um, is, is a responsibility and it's heavy to realize that we are making these same choices and these same patterns throughout our lives that have limited us. And then once you see that, you're like, oh shit, now I have to take responsibility for that in order to have the power to accept that I have the power to change my life. I have the power to be bigger, to expand into um, so much more, so much more. And yeah, so I feel like it's so true. Once you realize your power and your stories, you have to look at both sides and you have to accept all of it in order. Remembering to that no one else's stuff is your stuff. Like, oh, that. That's huge. And that, that I think that's a huge part of, of, of something that's been really challenging for me is reminding myself, like you said, you know, as, as young children who have gone through trauma, you're anticipating everyone else because you're making sure that everyone is happy and it's all good yes. and I'm protecting myself and, it, and it's in your best interest at that point. But yes. when you're older and, and you start to like really see the world, you start to ha like make this shift like, oh yeah, that person's just having a bad day or this person can't show up for me in the way that I show up for myself. Yes. So if that's on them. Like, if I, and you posted something yesterday, you know, that it's not your responsibility to love smaller. No. It, like, that's, you're not going to love smaller. This is who I am. I'm expansive. I love big. I, yes. This is me. And I'm sorry for you that you can't love that big. 
Yes. That's on you. And you will, you know, and it's funny because, and I, I have compassion too, because I think of times in my life when I couldn't love this big. And I, so I'm like, okay, like you're on your own growth journey and who knows if you'll get there in this lifetime, but it, you know, or you might get there tomorrow, who knows, but it's like just releasing, um, because the, the truth is once you realize that you can attract love into your life anytime you want by just being that love, then you realize, okay, they're going to go, but it's not so much hitting on that childhood abandonment wound because you're like, you're like, Oh, just more will come. It's, it always, it always does when you, when you are that love, it just will, it will be attracted to you. It's got it. When you're not searching for it outside yourself, you know, when you're just open to it arriving, if it wants to manifest outside yourself, wonderful, but it has to be there within first. Like, it just will enjoy it more. I was speaking to a friend yesterday and I was saying, you know, when you show up on dates, like I think fantasy is such an important part of it. Like I think, you know, really fantasizing before it's like masturbation, right? Like you fantasize because you know, you're going to like enjoy it more. Right. And so I said like fantasize before you get on the date the person sitting opposite you is interchangeable with any other person because what you're really fantasizing about is how you want to feel. Yes. How do I want to feel on this date that I'm showing up to? Because if it's going to be that feeling, I'm going to notice it straight away. And that person's going to meet me in that energy and that's going to be great for me. And if it doesn't, oh, whatever, I still feel good because I'm me. Yes. I'm feeling myself. Totally. And you're pre- and like, and the fact that you get it, like, just experiment with, I'm going to show up with who I am, no matter how they show up. I'm going to show up in that high vibration of love and passion and expansion. And however, exactly what you said, however they, however they are capable, they'll show you. I, um, I think it's really interesting, too, that what you said about we really need to notice how we're feeling about ourselves, how we're feeling about ourselves in in these um, dates, because that is, I mean, it's all about our entire life is about our relationship to ourselves. So when you're sitting in front of someone else and you're not feeling good, or you feel like they're at a lower vibe and they're trying to pull you down, um, being able to, you know, say, this isn't a match. I'm going to go and getting up and going and loving yourself that much is so beautiful. And it's just proving to yourself and the universe. I have this theory that we, we tell the universe, um, how we're, how we want to be treated, right? We teach the universe. And so it's like the universe gives us opportunity and we reject it. Then it's not going to come back with more, but like, if we're like, yes, it's mine. Yes, that's fine. They're just going to keep going, you know? And so when I'm on these dates, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show the universe right now that this isn't enough, or I'm going to show the universe, wow, this is beautiful. And I'm really connecting to this person on this, on this certain level. And the universe will just provide more. I think it's, 
I think it's incredible to stand in your truth and accept what um, vibrates on your, on your love, on your love field. Accept that as love and reject things that aren't love as not love. So you have a daughter and you post a little bit about some of the powerful things that she does. I have, I, I have twin daughters. <gasps> Incredible. <laughs> So that they're mine and they, they're, yes, they're incredible. They're, they are set they're little scorpionic, fierce, um, soul sisters. <laughs> How did you foster that within your children? And I think that that one, one thing that resonates with me is, is really showing your children. Like if you show up for yourself. That, yes. That's how you teach your children. And I think, like you said, you know, leaving that marriage, you yes. know, you, you, you leave the desire of a young child for, you know, that, that perfect little family that we, you know, get shown on TV is what's meant to be right. Perfect thing. Right. You abandon the idea of that mm -hmm. to choose yourself and you give your kids a much greater gift. Mm. I, I, what the one thing, I mean, I had so much when I was deciding on whether to leave or not, and I had so much shame around the thought of it. I um, went and saw Glennon um, Doyle actually speak at a um, thing in Kansas City. This was before she was even big. She was still doing her little like mommy blog. She was still married um, and everything, but she um, still had that same spirit about her that was incredible. And um, she was speaking and she said, um, Carl Jung says that the worst thing you can show your children is the life of a parent unlived. And so I, I left. I mean, after I heard that, that was the final thing where I'm like, it resonated so true for me and I knew it. Um, I mean, that's, that's the life that my parents had kind of shown me and I, um, had to show them how to choose themselves. And children don't listen to what you say, they watch what you do. So I, I did, I left and um, I don't know, they were really young. I don't know that they really remember um, their dad and I together. We are, it's funny, we're actually really close friends. I set him up with his girlfriend, we co-parent. <laughs> and um, he, He's an amazing father and we're just so different, you know, we're just better apart. And um, Lillian, my daughter is so funny. And she, she came up to me and she said, you know, she's like, I will always, I will always, no matter what mom, follow my truth, always. I don't think she would have ever said that had I not actually done that. And I don't have any, I don't have any shame or guilt about leaving anymore, but it took me, it took, it took me actually leaving to get there. I think a lot of women feel it. So then they don't do it. They don't step out by faith and they're knowing, but listen to your knowing always, and you'll get there. You'll get there. But yeah, they, my girls, they, I, I'd say the biggest thing, sorry, back to your question that they got been to that place where they're they're so they're very self-assured and i i think it's i really believe it's the stories we tell our children so at bedtime 
I, I, I use stories as manifestation for them. And I, you know, I say, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And they give me little clues about what they want, their deepest little desires. And then I tell them a big fucking crazy, fantastical story of them living that and doing that. And I know that they will, and they just, and they believe it. <laughs> and I'll continue, I'll continue to do that, whether they say, you know, they're, whatever their sexuality is or whatever their passion is and whatever it is, I will take that little truth inside of them and I'll expand it as big as I possibly can. And I think that's all, I, I don't know. I think that's the best thing we can do as parents. So then I actually have a question that I didn't even think of before, but you have a son. I have a son. So we talk about raising daughters yes. and raising them in power and so how, how are you feeling about that? What's the difference between raising a son over daughters? Hmm. My, my little boy, it's funny because he looks more like me than, than my girls do. He looks almost exactly like, like me <laughs> and he's got long hair like me. I mean, he's, he's, he is, um, such a sensitive a sweet little boy, but he not only lives with a very strong mother, he has two older twin sisters that are very strong. And um, it's been incredible to watch. You know, I'm just going to, right now, I kind of want to talk about the way that his sisters parent him um, naturally and beautifully, because it's, uh, I learned so much from it. <laughs> um how they tell him, I mean, the things that I've overheard them say is, oh, Jack, it's okay to cry. Come here. Boys can cry. It's okay to cry. And they like hold space for him when he's, you know, when he is vulnerable and emotional. I have a very emotional little boy, which I think is really important. Um, and he's very comfortable being emotional. <laughs> and, um, but also how they, I mean, he was probably three and they were five. And I think this explains it most that <laughs> he walked up to Lily and he went to hug her and he hugged her without asking. And she grabbed his arms and threw him off of her and said, you always ask before you touch me. And so my son has been raised in this world of women where he asks before he touches a woman. He asks first and he and he says can I have a hug or blah blah you know and it's it's one of the most beautiful I think that's the most beautiful thing I've taught my son and that my girls have too that we don't we don't touch women without without asking and for consent and he's so he's really I mean he has a very feminist education around here <laughs> so important so important and then I think to myself you know if we take away gender and we just look at parenting people in general, yeah. right? It's like we should parent in exactly the same way. And if we did parent in the same way, regardless of gender, and we said, you know, it treat all people with respect, gain consent from all people before you touch Absolutely. them, you know? And same way with my girls and him, same way back, yes. That's it. I, and like, it's okay for everyone to cry. We should all cry. We should all feel all the feelings, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And how different the world would look if we didn't put these imposed kind of boxes or cages on people based on gender, based on race, based on sexuality, based on trauma. Uh, like 
nothing should limit you for what you truly believe that you deserve and are 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 ready for you know like absolutely and like just like speaking so i think with raising boys or girls it's the same thing it's the exact same thing whereas i listen to his deepest desires of what he wants and then i just i just tell him a story that expands that and so for his birthday for instance on his on his sixth birthday he um wanted a queen dance party and so we had a queen dance party at my house where all these little boys and girls were over dancing to queen and he was dressing up in dresses and they all were dressed up and i mean he's he's just free you know he's he's a free little boy <laughs> and it's it's beautiful for me to watch i i i, I hope that you know, people listening to this will find that freedom within themselves to stop mm. limiting themselves, to really live their truth and, you know, tell themselves the big story. You want something, find a story that that makes you believe. And there's something that you said in your poetry workshop that I just was like, yes. You know, when we look at different people and we look at them as, um, you know, that jealousy comes in, like why aren't I good enough or yeah. why, how are they achieving? And you said something about and expanders yes. so i'd love you to elaborate on the expander concept because i think it's so important oh okay so the energy when you are manifesting your dreams and looking at another person as being that your dream manifested you have a choice to see them as an expander and use that visual as um a positive energy sending love to your dream sending love to your expansion or or you can look at it as jealousy and block them off and not send but when you're doing that to another human you you need to realize that you're doing that to your dream you are sending blocked off energy you're sending negativity to your own dream so if you use this person as energy, which everybody, that's what we are, we are energy. If you use this person as an expander, for instance, this woman, um, she grew up in the same town I grew up in, went to the same museum I went to, had the, she obviously sat in front of the same painting that I sat in front of and she, that I would go back to this museum and I would sit in front of this painting all the time and Anyway, this woman became a New York Times bestseller and used the same painting that I sat in front of as her book cover. And she writes beautifully and vulnerably. And there's a reason she's a New York Times bestseller. And in so many ways, I've seen her as an expander. I mean, at first I like locked up when I saw the book cover. I was like, that's mine, that's my vision. And then I was like, oh no, you don't send block energy to your dream. You send love and expansion. And I reached out to her and I told her how incredible her book was and that I would love to support it however I could. And there's just, and then, and then what I'm doing is I'm sending that, I'm saying, your dream is incredible, Chelsea. I, you want to support your dream however you can. It's, it's the same thing, right? And so it's really important to see people as like the people that are where you seemingly think you want to be as expanders and send them love and positivity and energy because you're sending that same energy toward your own dream. Very true. 
I was going to say, you know, how do you, how would you tell people just starting out on this journey? How would you tell them to start? Um, mm. Which journey? The journey of, 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 of loving yourself, I guess, and of, oh. you know, of, of changing your narrative, you know, of, of not okay. accepting the narrative you've been giving yourself for so long. So first of all, like first starting out, the one thing that got me here was just doing the next right thing. I was so paralyzed, so in, in fear. So f my belief is that fear is a consciousness that we put on that sits so heavy within us and limits us and makes us move slowly and it manipulates us into believing that we can't expand. Um, and so, but if you realize that this is just a consciousness, this is not me, you can move through it and you can choose joy or love instead, which is a much higher vibrating consciousness, right? And moves through us and lets us move freely and expand. But so, but when you're first choosing a life of living your truth, there's going to be a lot of fear. Um, and it's going to come as this fear consciousness. And so for me, it was ne the next right thing. Okay, Chelsea, what's the next right thing right now? When I felt so paralyzed in my fear, I would move against, I think I put this in a poem, but I'll move, move against like the full throat of my fear. I'd move against it. I'd choose to do the next right thing. If it's put the bread away, if it's go to the post office, feed the children, what's the next right thing on your path until the next right thing becomes more expansive and more expansive. And then you're choosing bigger things and you're making bigger decisions and I, you just have to, you just have to keep doing the next right thing against your fear. Um, how do you find the next right thing? You meditate, you get really quiet and you listen to your breath and you realize, and you just have, you tap into your deepest knowing, which is deeper than consciousness. It's in a subconscious level. And you sit with that and you keep choosing it over and over and over. True North, true North true north next right thing next right thing next right thing and soon it becomes second nature i think it's such i think it's just a daily practice until you're just in the flow of um who you are your truest and deepest self beautiful it's like any practice it's like when you first start driving and you have no idea what you're doing and you're just like feels really like uncomfortable and how coordinated do I get and then now it's like yes it's so automatic that you don't even you yes. don't even realize and it's the same thing with I when you said that I was thinking about like having a baby like how awkward I was in the beginning and how I was like well what's are you literally you know when you give birth you're looking at this human and you're like what's the next right thing um put it on the boob um, change a cipher and you're just in this like what's the next right thing mentality for so long and then then it's just so second nature you know um, but it, yeah starting starting anything um, you have to move against your fear and you have to choose the voice that is love and not fear every time choose love and sometimes you're gonna choose fear but then then be like oh navigating getting back, getting back to love, you know? And as long as you, as long as you choose love and not fear, you're making the right decision every time. Amazing. I just like, 
you know, sometimes I sit in a podcast and I just think, oh, I can't wait to listen back to this because I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing things, I'm gonna journal on it, like, you know, you are my extender. Like I truly feel it in every way. I think to myself, like, oh, I just I love it. I love the work that you're putting out there. I love the work that you're doing and the people that you're touching by doing and living your truth. Like that's the most beautiful thing about it. I would love if you could read um, a poem or two. Oh, I would, I would be honored. Um, let's see. Okay. I'm going to read the God is a woman one first. God is a woman. And like every woman has millions of years of men speaking for her. She doesn't back your president or load your guns or make lab disease for your pharma money. No, she chooses to speak only through the head back reception of baby bird mouths, Venus traps closing on winged things, lovers shallow breath, whale songs, placenta, then a hurricane or two when she needs a stretch. God doesn't back your president or load your guns. She digests your bread, gives urge to kiss. God is in labor, earthing tiny newborn fists at every new corner of sun and folding the dead into her soil. God is a woman, and like every woman, has millions of years of men speaking for her, a billion voices she could drown with one storm. Mm. I think that's my favorite. I can't pick a favorite because then you write something else. I'm like, no, that's my favorite. But that's just. I was, I remember like, I have a notebook in my shower and I was standing in my shower one day and I was like, I had this realization. I was like, holy shit, God, what if God is a woman and she's been mansplained for thousands of years? (laughs) That's it. And I love that line. She can put you out. She can put it all out. She can drown it out. Finally. And, you know, like we talked about, like, gods and us. So, like, we can drown out all these voices. We can. Okay, I'll read. This one is, everything great I've ever done, I did not think to do. There was no deliberation. Knowing is not a five-syllabled thing. I didn't consult a professional or ask the church to pray. No, I forced the God in me to reach for what I wanted against the full throat of my fear. There's a poem that made the earth choke. I wrote it on the back of my hand and when it filled, I swear it crawled up my arm itself. Let me tell you when it was finally right, I could do no wrong. Your therapist thinks this is a red flag. Oh, your therapist is a coward. I once packed my suitcase for a life I could only see when I closed my eyes. This is the same as when I was eight and put out a fire with my foot. I'd started with a sparkler, though my sandal went up in flames. Your life is a field that will burn. You must know this early. You must put out the small fires instinctively. You must step before you think. Moses parted the sea with his faith. The saints are the curious. God pointed her finger at a cell and said, so be it. If you can take a single step quickly, you can watch waters rise up as walls. You can walk on dried ocean floor. I more than once now on my back have screamed new life, new humans out of me. We live in a world where there are desolations. We make with our hands a single spark, a jolt of the wheel, proves the death in our wrists but they're miracles too. 
and never forget they happen in the same quick and brave and wonder of a way. Just incredible. How can people find you? How can they follow you? How can they join your workshops? Because that workshop just like, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I was like, this is it. This is exactly where I need to be. <laughs> I am so on I am so honored you came and I, I love your energy and I'm so honored to be on your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me at Poems and Peonies on Instagram and or my website is uh chelseadiane.com and there are workshops there that you can sign up for if you'd like. Amazing. I'll put it all in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for you for being exactly who you are for living your truth for choosing a life for you and for all of us really to be inspired by to be expanded by and to choose it for ourselves i'm just utterly grateful oh you've made my entire day thank you thank you for having me the god in me sees the god in you